I don't know what I want to talk about, man. How about we talk about what God wants to talk about? Let's let him lead. All right. Holy Spirit, lead this conversation with my brother. We talk about freedom. Thank you that you broke my watch. <laughs> so I don't know what time it is. <laughs> thank you that time is irrelevant because you stand outside of time. And thank you that my brother here, Nicholas, has a, has a testimony to share. It's not even his story. It's your story. It's not even his forgiveness. It's your forgiveness. It's not even his love. It's, it's yours. So we just celebrate for everything you're doing, God, and, and, and how you orchestrate things to, to bring glory to yourself and not glory to us. So thank you. Yes. All right, brother. So off the record. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. All right, man. Let's be like off the script, like, just natural, man, like, tell me about freedom, just tell the world about freedom. You've gotten your editing skills down, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, believe in so, editing. So, so, off the record, okay. is, is the only preparation <laughs> that I have right now for this particular interview. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, granted, uh, I knew this time was coming because I've been watching my brother in Christ here uh, record. <laughs> I've witnessed him exit and enter his studio that's on wheels. <laughs> and uh, The Jetta studio. And when uh, this particular moment when I was invited to share my testimony, I wanted to crawl inside to a little cave where there was no light and just hide. And um, mm. the first thought that comes to mind is that I'm not prepared to share my testimony and I'm not worthy to share my testimony. Um, but that's a lie because um, God started preparing me to share this testimony long before four years ago before yeah. four years ago um, when God's scripture says that we were fearfully in uh, love made with love something yeah. along those lines fearfully and wonderfully made fearfully and won wonderfully made it, it means literally what it says um, oh, yeah. so I'm gonna try not to be uh, Chuck from Goonies or Chunk from Goonies and, and start from uh, conception. Uh, when when God you already had, did. You said you're fearfully had, and wonderfully made. Yes, in I your already mother's did. Womb. That's hilarious. Look at that. <laughs> so I just invite the Holy Spirit to continue to lead um, this interview, and uh, there's no prepared questions written down or anything like that. Not not your typical journalist. Uh, uh, preparation for meeting uh, Donald Trump or <laughs> any of our appointed leaders, but uh, I just I praise God for for this beautiful weather. You can't you can't see it on uh, on on this interview, but <laughs> we have gorgeous skies, green, flush flush uh, environment growing around us, and got the the hum and the buzz of 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 our human nature, jets, 
airplanes, helicopters. Sounds of freedom. Sounds, sounds of freedom. There right. it is, yeah. Here in the heart, the heart of America, the very thing that I choose every day and night to uh, continue to dress up and stand for. Um, right now. Four years ago, I made a decision and I turned my life as I understood it to be, which at the time was misery, so I perceived. I turned my life over to God as I knew him, and uh, to put this phone on silent. <laughs> Another interruption that's attempted by That's a new someone. phone? Yeah. That's a, it's your flip phone? Yeah, I have a flip phone. It's your Kyocera. Yes. That's the same one I have. Is it? That's what Andy has. Dude, that's the Freedom Phone. We have so much in common. When did you get that? I've had it for a little while. I, I bought it with the intention of uh, making myself available in motorcycle ministry. You. And it's still there. That's what it's purposed okay. for, but... God has a starting right there. Yeah. That's that's cool that you brought... I didn't notice you had a... I didn't know you had a Kyocera flip phone. Well... That's the Freedom Phone, dude. Um... His dad has that too. It catches a lot of people's eye. Like, you still have a flip phone? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's great. I have actual buttons I can push. That's right. It's shaped like a, shaped like a phone. Right. And it's more durable if I go for a run or something. If I drop it, it's, it's, it's not like, bro. oh my gosh, Lord, I can't do this. Can't crack have that a screen. moment of despair because my material possessions aren't treating me right. <sighs> so, what's this interview about? The gospel, right? Uh, yo, well, yeah, man. My my personal testimony is about, about God's story. It's the so story hard. of of redemption. There's so many good points. Oh, yeah, I know. And so many bad points. But it's, we're, uh, it's about creation. We already covered that. Creation. Yeah. It's about four parts. Creation. The fall, okay. redemption, and restoration. Yep, you reminded me. I was at the fall. So four years ago, I made that decision that I was going to turn my life as I knew it over, over to uh, a power greater than myself. And uh, I thought I knew God, but little did I actually know of God. Yeah. Um, I knew there was a God out there, and I knew that I believed in uh, the spirit world. But I didn't uh, truly understand uh, where I stood in that regards and, and whether I, I really believed um, that God was real or, or if I was just make-believing or if I was... In, I think I was actually quite agnostic. I didn't have a way to really prove that God existed and, and um, that I struggled with that. And there was a time period where when I was, I hit my bottom and I was full of despair, but I, I, I knew not what the opposite of despair was, which was hope, because I had none. Right, right. Uh, it was a, a true, absolute uh, despair. Um, I was lost, and obviously now I'm found, but uh, try not to be cliche here. I was broken, and I needed I needed help, yeah. and the need was so great. Um, it's all I all I 
could do. So I was, I started to think, oh, maybe God isn't real. And uh, I had a time period there where I <clears throat> just did what I want and uh, wanted and whatever my heart desired, I, I kind of did it. And, uh, uh, I was quite atheist for a yeah. little while. And uh, when I made my decision that, that God didn't believe, uh, he became very real to me because I, um, I was born into a family that was what would be considered religious. Yep. And I was born into a family that, that was connected to some form of, of the churches yeah. as it's understood to be. And. Um, so I was very blessed, very fortunate in that regard. Um, did I have hard times as a kid? Yeah. Um, it's made me the man man I am today. Um, I try not to cry over those things anymore. Uh, I learned the hard way that right. uh, those things have made me who I am today, and I need not to hold on to those resentments anymore. The, uh, the experience as a kid growing up in a religious home? Um, being in a religious home that that was not religious. Okay. So it was spiritual, and it was uh, like my my first my parents were raised in a very strict environment. Right. So when they got away from their parents, they stopped practicing what their parents believed. Okay. And they started practicing what they believed, and uh, there was a mixture of strictness and yeah. spirituality and faith. But it was my way or the highway, and yeah. And yeah, there was integrity and this, that, and the other, and I learned all that, but, uh, so my perspective of that, when I think back to that, is I was in a very conservative yet liberal environment growing up, and, uh, so anyhow, I was, but I was fortunate. I see that how fortunate I was, because if I did not, wasn't born into the church, and I didn't have missionaries of the Mormon church, invite me to accept the Holy Ghost when yeah. I was eight years old, I don't know where I'd be right now. I, I can sincerely say I don't know where I'd be right now. I, it was Mormons who introduced you. Yes. And my, my grandfather, Spencer, he baptized me at eight. And I understood it as to, to I was going to receive the Holy Ghost, a, right. a helper. And, uh, and it was as such. I, I received the Holy Ghost. Uh, and, and as, he, he as I understood him at eight years old. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I remember my grandfather uh, using my brother's name right. during the baptism. He mistakenly called me Nathan. Okay. And uh, I resented that for <laughs> years and years and years. And uh, I get to say, thank you, Lord, for showing me how to forgive. And, and yeah. I, I've forgiven my, father, my grandfather for that. It was like the smallest thing, but as a child, from a child's perspective, that was a big deal. It was like, Grandpa, do you really know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, try to make it a two-minute testimony. Yeah. Nobody really said that until now, but uh, I was fortunate. I was very blessed. I had a lot of family that cared for me, and I was raised in a, in a big family. We always got together uh, for holidays and birthdays, and regardless of who it was, and we celebrated uh, life together. So I was really blessed with that. And then, uh, oh, as I became a teenager, uh, I started to see that my family wasn't doing the church thing anymore so I stopped taking myself there and I stopped pursuing God in that regards started pursuing spiritual spiritual life but yeah. without any sort of biblical principles 
uh, I joined the Navy eventually after many, many uh, days and hours in the, in the woods, in the desert, uh, road tripping between there and living out of a uh, uh, storage units and sleeping on friends' couches. And, you're you're uh, motorcycling from place to place? Or? No, no, I had like an explorer and okay. uh, just didn't really, and then eventually I did like help pay rent for a place, yeah. you know, at one point in time and then I hit age 22 and I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. I was like, how am I going to start a family? on a backcountry hunting camp mule packing person. I was packing mules in the backcountry and I was like, well, how am I gonna, how am I gonna raise enough, you know, make enough money to start a family and stuff. And I, I figured I didn't have enough education to do that. So I, I decided to, to join the Navy. Uh, my first motive there was to, to get an education. Once I had achieved education from day one of entering the Navy, yeah. Uh, as time went on, eventually I did get the associates I wanted and a, a, a degree after. Nice. You know, that's just a brief mention of education that I received of, of the world and how yeah. the world is. <clears throat> uh, my heart over time was cultivated to 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 want to continue to serve, and I did. Um, I re-enlisted. And I still, so back to the despair, I, I was probably in my second enlistment and I, uh, was, I was just lost, full of despair and, and uh, I accepted Christ. I was praying the serenity prayer that uh, stemmed from uh, Alcoholics Anonymous yep. programs. St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis yeah. of Assisi, yes. Yes, so I was praying the serenity prayer. Thank you for pointing that out, St. Francis. Um, the man. And in that prayer, it was uh, referring to he, who is, and, and I thought, who is he? And I had a, a routine of, of devotion time, and it, it, it mostly revolved around my work. And yep. work had, had, studies had become a form of idolatry in retrospect. I, I know that now, but yeah. at the time, I didn't realize that. And <laughs> I prayerfully was sincerely seeking the Lord. And uh, I said, who is he? Who is he? And I believe it's the Holy Spirit that revealed to me that it was Jesus. And I thought, no way. And immediately I yeah. denied the truth that, that um, he can make all things right if I surrender to his will. And when I accepted that it was Jesus, um, the desire to read the Bible grew suddenly. I uh, was filled with uh, empowerment to to understand what forgiveness was and somehow God orchestrated uh, the gift of forgiveness from Stanley Charles to land in my lap yep. and uh, I read that um, meanwhile I was reading the 12 steps stuff and yep. I started applying those principles in my life and I, I allowed God back into my heart I allowed him to start leading me because um, during that this phase of, of my life I like I said, I was kind of atheist for a little while. I was doubting God, God's power and presence and existence. And um, I heard this Bruno Mars song, and uh, one of the lyrics is talking about being locked out of heaven. Mm. And it was talking about sex and how he had this interaction with uh, a sexual encounter, and he he 
felt like he was locked out of heaven before that. And when after huh. that experience, he felt like he was experiencing heaven for the first time or something. And uh, for whatever reason, that triggered a fear of being locked out of heaven in my soul. And um, anytime that song came on, I would just go into a panic. And yeah. I didn't understand it, but uh, I can I can hear that song now, and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't create anxiety because I I know where I'm gonna I know where I'm going. But uh, that had to do with some deep wounds that I had held on to from childhood, and um, I allowed God in to heal me there, and and uh, continue to heal to this day. But uh, um, I read the Love Dare, and I accepted the Dare. This book came into my wife's uh, hands, and she gave it to me, and and I didn't pick it up for, I'd have to ask her, anybody could ask her, but it, yeah. I think it might have been years before I actually picked up the book and read it myself. And it was a 365-day devotion, and I started yeah. reading that. And about day six, I, I end up in a hospital. Yeah. Because of anxiety, and I couldn't sleep and uh, God was trying to heal me. Yeah. So I asked for help and I got the help I needed and, and over time, um, you know, it, during all this, I, uh, uh, I decided that, oh, yeah, it was, it was during that time I decided I need to, I, I realized God revealed to me through some grief that I hadn't grieved over some, some loved ones that had passed on. And because of uh, not going through proper stages of grief and actually trying to yeah. grieve over the loss of loved ones, um, God revealed to me I had a lot of resentment and I hadn't okay. forgiven a lot of things and I hadn't really moved on. So he gave me the opportunity to uh, work on that and uh, took some time and grieved over the loss losses I had experienced but not acknowledged. And he revealed to me uh, what real love is and started to teach me what love is. and and uh, I started to receive God's love and started practicing forgiveness and uh, was trying to let the, the spirit lead me here so yeah. uh, kind of lose, lose my train of thought a little bit but uh, the love dare I accepted it I took the love dare day six um, got the opportunity to start uh letting go of a lot of things. And what, what year is this now? That was like 2013. Okay. The beginning of 2013. I was like uh, two months, almost three months of sober from alcohol and yeah, and just free from, yep. from that, but um, just starting to go into the beginning stages of hardship. Uh, uh, I thought things were hard during that time of despair, but the hardship actually began when I chose yeah. to, to go all in for God. Yeah. That's when the hardship truly began, but that's when the healing begins too. Sure. Uh, so can you, un can you unpack that? Like, so when did your, when did your drinking start? Oh, in my teenage years. Okay. Yeah. And, and then, so yeah, in your teenage years, start drinking and then, uh, just prior to joining the Navy, you go on this mule packing um, phase of your life, and then you you bring you bring that into the Navy, right? And okay. it's exact is so it just continues. What? 
um, the, the life of oh drinking yeah partying. Go, going yeah going to the bottles yeah or, that 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 was just like a, a functional aspect of my life sure okay and you're so uh, you're high functioning yeah very high I think I was high functioning yeah yeah uh, because I could go periods without it but um, that's that's where I was wrong was that it was a it was like a regular thing it was yeah. a, every weekend it was routine it was part of what I did to 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 have fun sure uh, and eventually that evolved into um, it just was never enough okay the fun started to wear out so I would drink harder and more yeah. and, and when I really started to you know I went on like a couple deployments and stuff and where I had to go without it for certain time periods right, and right. I could but as soon as I got the opportunity whew, cracking them back throwing right. them back because it was such part of the social aspect of, of interacting with others sure, sure. that it was acceptable uh, around my peers too oh yeah and I got really good at it so I perceive in retrospect right I was really good at it I could hide it and recover from it and then it did it got to the point where um, it started to affect other areas of my life and, yeah you know uh, it became the center of my it became my obsession sure that's what I looked forward to so uh, except when I when I had to go without it I accepted like maybe this is a problem so I accepted that challenge internally and yeah. said all right I'm gonna try to go without and when I when I couldn't go without and remain uh, stable emotionally that's when I knew I had a problem that's when I turned and I and I decided to turn that problem over to God okay so at, so at this whole time, your um, your faith, I mean, what's your relationship with God throughout this whole time that you're, that you're, you know, you're being convicted that, that this lifestyle of, of drinking um, is not satisfying? Like, did you hit a rock bottom point where God was like, I want, I, I want your attention. And then you look up and you say, you finally have my attention, God. Yeah, um, my hip, uh, I, I injured it um, in a manner that I didn't recover from. Okay. And when my body wasn't physically healing as it naturally normally would, right? Um, I, it, it was like that story of Jacob where he, But God wouldn't let him go until he. That's right. He said he wouldn't let go of God until he. Bless me. Until he, God blessed him, and and it was kind of like that. It was similar to that story of yeah. where God like touched my hip and broke my hip right. and made me. He made me stop running. Well, and I couldn't I couldn't use running as a coping strategy for yeah. stress yeah. relief anymore. And I had to sit still and be still. And sitting still and being still forced me to have to um, listen right. to what God was saying. And um, for a while there, I didn't want to hear it. Yeah. So I tried to block him out. I tried to make him, I tried to, you know, force a new belief system on myself. Like he doesn't exist. Like maybe this, what I'm hearing isn't real. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just, you know, what I'm, you know. I'm in control, you know, and then, um, but I couldn't live like that because I, I, God wouldn't allow it. He loves me. He loved me too much then. He loves me too much now to allow me to think that I'm, 
I'm going to be in control of my destiny. Yeah. God's in control of yeah. my destiny. God is is the boss. Yeah. That's, that's who's in charge. And um, it took me a while to realize that. And it took a lot of hardship and a lot of pain. So when I couldn't heal, I just surrendered. Mm-hmm. As and because uh, I understood some surrender, and I had done a lot of wild things that required me to let go of, of my psyche and my mental uh, or emotional right. uh, natural responses as a human being. And like, if you jump out of a plane, you're going to be super scared, you know, you're fine. Right, right. So to face fears like that, um, it gives you a sense of power. And it's it's deceiving because you think you're in control, but in reality, uh, I've always had like guardian angels looking out for me. Yeah. So, anyhow, I uh, four years ago turned jump went all in for God and and uh, allowed Him to to change me from the inside out and. I've never been the same. I continue to look back, but not, and I, I don't look back with fear as yeah. much as I used to. I don't look back. Uh, I choose to look back so that I and I choose to remember so that I can remember the pain and the hardship, so that I can remember how real God is, and yeah. so that I can remember yeah. what He's done for me. If I choose to not remember I, and I forget what he's done for me, right. then I am going to condemn my future and I won't uh, uh, enable God to lead. Yeah. And that's who I'm following. It's, it's not my way, it's his way. That's right. And uh, it's a strange, a strange thing to, to do when you're used to taking care of yourself and you've, you've gained a, a level of uh, conviction in your, your self-sufficiency and, and and when you really wholeheartedly, literally depend on God for everything, you start with God, you continue with God, and you finish with God every single day. Yeah. Um, that's when you realize what, what real humility is and that I can be I've realized I can't do any of this without yeah. without him. He, he's my source of strength. And some onlookers would would think, "Oh, you're you're really strong. You're this, you're that. You're, you know, you're you're 6 foot 5, 240 pounds. You've done all these different things like you are weak." Yeah, I am weak, and for years, and too many, too many years of my life, I've boasted about my strengths, but that's not, that just leads to conceitedness and, right. and pride, and and it leads to the fall, and I'm beyond the fall now, I, right. and God touched my heart, and God's leading the way now, and, and uh, when I accepted that Christ had died for my sins on the cross, and that I accepted that I'm, uh, the blood of Jesus, that my date's been paid. I've stopped trying to, I don't live by the past anymore. I told, I, I just said, I choose to remember the past. Yeah. I have to choose to remember the past because 
my future, like what I see in the future is so exciting and such a blessing in this current present time is so special and such yeah. a blessing and I'm filled with such gratitude as I choose to give thanks every day, even in my hardships and even in the good times and the bad. I don't live by my past anymore. I, I live because I have hope in the future. Yeah. I, I have a new hope. And, and uh, during that fall period, when, when I was at rock bottom, someone asked me, because I said, they asked me, hey, are we gonna do this, are we gonna do that? And they were talking about the future. And I said, oh, you know, that's the plan. And I, I really hope we are. And he goes, he goes, hope? What is hope? What is, he's, what is hope? And I said, hope, you know, like, we're, we're gonna, you know, hopefully it'll happen. Right, right. And he said, well, what's the opposite of hope? And he stumped me. I didn't know what to say. Right. I didn't realize, and I was in such despair, I couldn't even, I couldn't even recognize the opposite yeah. of what hope was, because I was living despair. I was despair. That's right. That's all I was. And I don't know if he knows it, but he helped me realize, his statement helped me realize the despair I was experiencing and, and I haven't had the chance to ask Chance yeah. if he knew that then, but maybe God will give me the opportunity to, to talk to him about it because my perception of him was he's just being a crybaby and, yeah. and uh, in reality, uh, he taught me something that day. Um, he was just young. By, yeah, just by a, a simple question. I think it was a coincidence. I really yeah. do. And I think when we cross paths, I'll, I'll be discovered. I'll discover it was a coincidence. But um, given the opportunity and privilege to share their, this gospel with him, I, I will. And I'll, I'll be real with him about yeah. where I was that day and age and, and, and how I was so full of despair. I didn't have an answer for him. Right. So, so what does freedom mean to you? Freedom. Like someone says, like, yeah. So you 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 are a Christian. You call yourself a Christian. What does that mean? What does it mean to be? You talk about freedom. What does that mean? Freedom from what? Well, I don't have to be freedom Christian. personally. That's the kind of freedom I'm speaking of. I don't have to be a warrior for Christ. Yeah become my identity through understanding that I'm a child of God, through understanding what he's done for me. So to be a soldier for Christ, that, that, that requires a decision. And anybody can choose to just put that label on themselves, but that doesn't mean they really are fighting the good fight of faith yeah. that Paul preaches. So freedom, freedom to me is difficult to describe because there's so many aspects of freedom. Uh, the, the first one that comes to your mind, like if, when, if you pray right now, like God, what is freedom to me? And, and how can I put this on the ground in some street level uh, vernacular, you know, so my buddies, my, my fellow, Whatever, bicycle rider dudes, fellow welders, fellow whatever. In in, in down to earth terms, with real day to day struggles, what does freedom look like in 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 the life of Nicholas? 
Like, like. So yeah. I say this yeah. now, but you could put me in shackles. Okay. You could put me in a cage. You you can take away all that I own, mm-hmm. including my wife, right. which I don't own, but she's my responsibility. Right. I, I, I live for her. I serve her and provide for her. But I if God you. takes her from me today, I know that I'm going to be okay. Yeah. That's the freedom I'm talking about. And I'm talking about nice. the freedom that you, I, I mean it. And I'm not asking for this, Lord. Yeah. I, I don't want this. But if if I'm put in shackles, yeah. I know that it's for some greater purpose. Yeah. That I don't understand, that only He ha- has understanding of. And I know that in that situation, maybe I will feel some sorrow or some sadness, but I know that right next to it, there's a hope and an empowerment and a love that I'm still going to have that no one could ever take from me. Yeah. I have a sense of joy from my creator that no one could ever take from me. No one or nothing can steal this joy that I have because the joy that I have comes from God. Right. And I'm talking about one God of the, the universe. Right. He's in control. No one can take that from me. That's the freedom I'm talking about. Yeah. Right. The kind, the kind you hear gospel stories on a, on a regular basis. Right. The testimonies that there's so much alike. The true testimonies of the gospel, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of his his coming to die for our sins, being there in the beginning when everything was created, and his planned return. When that's present in the testimony of somebody who's really been touched by God, there's a lot of similarities in their testimony. And I've learned from them. I could be in that situation. There are prisoners right now locked up. Yeah. Yet they have more joy than somebody who has the freedom to take their little fancy car down the road. Yeah. To and from work or out to the beach, wherever. They might have all the money that they ever need. Yet they don't have the joy that that prisoner who's locked up has. You see it. Yeah. You watch for it. You'll see it. I, I, that's that's how I define freedom. That no one or nothing can take the true freedom I have because yeah. of my soul has been set free. Right, right. My spirit is so much more alive than I had ever been alive. So at, so at this point, people are like, well, shoot, tell me how you got that then. Because I want to know how you how you get that. Whatever, whether it's, let's just say, say, say someone has an addiction to alcohol or addiction to porn or addiction to things or whatever, gluttony, you, you name it. And because and we're all the same, I, I have this saying that I've met far too many people who let me all the way in to know that there's anybody else that's different than, than the rest of us broken people. So so automatically when we start talking about freedom, and I've known you now since like four years now, um, yeah, I, I know that everybody listening, cause, because they, they go through real life issues and they're real people, they're like, tell me how to be free like that then. 
How do I get that? Accept um, that you're a sinner. Yeah. And that all have sinned. And all fall shorty, short of the glory of God. Accept that Jesus Christ was, there's a solution for that. Yeah. And Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He was sent. Right. By God to take the place of punishment for my sins on the cross. Believe that He did that and confess with your mouth that He's your Lord and Savior. Yeah. If you can get to that place, you'll eventually stop asking, how do I get here? Eventually, God will reveal to you that you already are there, that He's already gotten you there, that He's already yeah. taken you there, and you'll accept that. You'll accept that, and you'll be filled with ultimate, absolute joy that's that's inexpressible. Right. That for me, in the beginning, all I could do was sing in the choir because I didn't know how else to put yeah. it into words. Yeah. And I, I had fellow... Uh, members in uh, the church minister to me and tell me <clears throat> excuse me what was going on with me I couldn't even articulate that I was going through a spiritual awakening yet the word spiritual awakening was right in front of my face on yeah. the books I was reading and I couldn't I couldn't verbalize it because I God touched me right but it took persistence and it took a lot of pain a lot of hardship and but it's those three things, ABC, basics, accept, ad admit, right. believe, confess, and just keep trusting. Yeah. Eventually, God will lead you where, where, where he wants you to be. And so what's the role of, of community? You know, for, for someone who's been through AA, because you, you've been sober for how many years now? Four. Yeah, four. Sobriety, like from a life of of absolute if you believe that you were dependent on on drinking mm -hmm. just sober what's the role that god has used in community and bringing to bringing you to a place of freedom well somebody wrote the books yeah of the big a the big blue book right AA. so for for um and prior to that i had exposure from from workplace type stuff where i had exposure so um, I've succeeded on other people's hardships who yeah. have lived before me and somebody wrote it down and somebody shared that so right. education um, but um, witnessing the hardships of others helped lead it to lead me to it and then um, something where I started losing my train of thought of early on was I was convicted. I promised my grandmother that I would go to church while I was in boot camp. Okay. I went once and I, I didn't keep going. To the Mormon one or? or? Uh, just, just to the church. She just wanted me, she, like she would want the Mormon yeah. practices, but yeah. um, I didn't go for years and years and years and I just kind of, excuse me, dabbled in it. So I was convicted early on, like I just need to get into church. So. Right. Um, after that hospitalization, when I got home, I said, hey, honey, we're, we're going to find a church. And I think we found a church then. I'd have to look at my notes, but I may have started going to church prior to that uh, from some conviction of the Holy Spirit. But 
Um, I got into a church and I, I, I left all my preconceived notions at the door. I left them outside and yeah. I just, I went in there and I just seek the Lord and, and he enabled me through others to see him and, and the church helped build me up. So I actually, even though I worked the 12 steps stuff personally on my own, God connected me in my environment, yeah. where the exact place that I, I, I was, workplace, outside of the workplace, little uh, synchronicities were in play in the community that encouraged me along the way. I didn't go to 12-step meetings or nothing like that in the right. beginning. Right. I just read the Bible, got devoted into that, and started applying a lot of the the principles that I was learning there and um, it's only in the last um, 10 11 months that I found a recovery group and it's a biblical wow. 12 steps program yeah and because just celebrate uh, recovery it's uh, it's a recovery for life okay and we celebrate recovery right um, but I didn't start a form, you know, going into that specific community, working in that area of, of recovery until years later. So without community of the church, the, you know, just your every, everyday people that I walked past had something to share with me, whether they knew it or not, or whether I accepted it or, or was able to see it or not. When I got in tune with God and allowed him to lead, he started to show me things and during my times of reflection helped me realize that he was there all along and that he was always protecting me and that I did come to a point where if I wasn't going to do it his way, I was going to die. Yeah. I did hit a point there where like, I think if I would have kept going my own way, I was probably going to die Okay. From... Or, or come really close to a physical death, Yeah. an actual physical death. Like drink to death. Yes. Okay. But God stepped in. And part of that is community. I had my wife who loved me. Right. Unconditionally. Right. As hard as it was. Oh, yeah. I had my daughter who loved me. My parents who loved me. Everybody loved me. As best as they knew how, they loved Nicholas. Right. I just wasn't willing to receive it. Yeah. So you, the initial question was, where would I be without with without community? Yeah, what was the role of community in, in bringing, you, bringing you to a place of total now, sobriety, freedom? I went from wanting to go out in the woods and be away from everybody. Yeah. And how beautiful and serene that is to have my own, my very own Eden. Yeah. My very own Garden of Eden that's just full of space yeah. away from others which is very antisocial. Yeah. I didn't want to be around. I went from wanting to be away from everybody, feeling like I was in prison because I was in a city, yeah. to now my future plans include some of that. I want to be out there in the wilderness. I love the wilderness. Right. It's beautiful. But I am, I am so committed to staying connected with a body of believers, with a body of, of people yep. that are hurting and, and need one. I need people. Yeah. I've learned that I need people. I can't go out there and be useful to God yeah. if I'm not connected to the church or, yeah. or the, the, a body of 
community. Sure. I have to have community. I've learned that, but it, it'll, like I said. Yeah. So what does life look like in community? Like, you know, you're, you're being in the military and moving every once in a while. What does it look like to, to join a community and to live in community? Like, what do they get to know about you? Um, how, how much do you let them in? How much do you guard yourself? What's quote unquote smart to let them know? Or do you, do you die? More, more times than not, I sense God calling me to pour it all out. Yeah. To give everything I have. Yeah. To share. Right. Because I might not see them tomorrow. Yeah. And I have something to share. Yeah. On the other hand, I know that if I'm not careful, and I'm leading and not, God, not following God in, in that right. regards, I will, my message will be so potent, it, people will spit it out and they won't want anything, they won't want to hear what I have to say. Right. So there's ebbs and flows, flows and seasons. I'm preparing to leave the area right now, so yeah. I'm sharing more love and affection <laughs> for others. On the other hand, I'm, I'm also kind of like, I'm not wanting to create new friendships here yeah. in the area. Yeah. So, um, which not wanting to create and not wanting to connect with others is contrary to God. Yes. God wants us to connect with others. Yes. When I'm driving past somebody, whether it be male or female person, smiling at them, whether they smile back is what God wants me to do. Yes. I love that, man. You know, one of my favorite times, because we've been doing this this men's group out here on this picnic bench, I don't know, what about six months now? Six, seven, eight months? Are we closer to a year? Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it started last August. I think it was, who cares, uh, you know, last summer. It's been a while. But um, one of my favorite times is, I don't know, there was like six of us around a table, and uh, you, you, you said, Hey, I don't, I don't know you. You pointed to someone at the end of the table. You're like, but can I just get real right now? Oh, I remember. Yeah. That's community. That's right. And so that, so that guy, um, ends up pulling me aside after. He says, you know, this is probably not the right group for me. It's, <laughs> right. It's too. Um, it's too real. Yeah. For, yeah. For for lack of a better word, he was like, it's a little too deep for me, and I'm looking for more of like a Bible study. So my heart was breaking at the same time of, of saying like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is like the most, this is the epitome of community. Yes. Because I've, I've bawled my eyes out at this table and I've, I've, I've spilled my guts in crying out on, on, to you and to Andy and to Chad about like, about some kind of, some kind of abuse um, that I've done as a dad, like something I said, I didn't even know what it was. I think I, I was just berating my son for not being able to tie his shoes or something. I was so broken. Yeah. But for, for, for that, uh, for this other guy who doesn't need a name, but I, I'm, I'm just saying there's, there's more of them out there like that. We're like, uh, I'm kind of just looking for a Bible study. And I'm like, this has been such a, a an answer to prayer to be that it's, it's so safe. This community is so safe. I can I can drop my fully drop my guard and trust God through people that He's put in front of me and say I got nothing to hide. This is exactly where I'm at. 
what are you guys getting from God? And so I'm wondering how we can create these pockets of community. This, I don't know I'm biased, but this being the, like the epitome of, of what a small group is supposed to be, completely safe, where people trust God through people, through the body of Christ. Yeah, and the Bible's available. Oh yeah, because these guys have hidden it in their right. heart. Well, but no, 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 I mean like testing our hearts. Okay. We're called yeah. to test right. the, the word that's on our hearts. Yeah. So part of what you're saying, and I'm hearing, is we need, we need to, we need to test ourselves. Yeah. Have the Bible closed. Yeah. Have it available. Right. It's always access. It's accessible to okay. us in a yep. small group. Should we start to quote scripture? Yeah. In what we're discussing. Yes. And if there ever be any sort of conflict with yeah. a particular word and how we're applying and, and it within context bam. or how we're how we're perceiving it, we can just open it up. Yeah. And we go yeah. that I like that style of a Bible study because I don't want to go to a Bible study that's just to me it's it's not it's not real if if yeah. I'm not if I'm not being real. Living, being real, yeah. Well, see, he if, didn't if I'm say not this. being open and honest and vulnerable. That's right. If I can't be vulnerable yeah. while I'm reading the Bible, I'm not open to listening to what the Holy Spirit has to tell me. And the Holy Spirit right. might have something to tell me through someone else, maybe through their experience. That's maybe right. I need encouragement that you know, this person walked through this and they got through it and they're still yeah. here today. And I'm going through it right now. And yeah. for a moment there, I almost didn't have a, a tangible hope. I had only the hope that the Bible preaches to yeah. me, which is the second coming of Christ. Right. And that's hard. Like, that's good news to me, but not to yeah. everybody. Yeah. Not even to some believers. That's a scary reality. Like, you really, like, when it actually happens, they might be shocked and be like, whoa, it's really real. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. like what you're talking about, if I can't be vulnerable during a Bible study, I'm not prepared to confess. I'm not prepared yeah. to receive, and I'm not prepared to grow in what and 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 hear what's being said in the Bible, even. Right. So. And he, and he didn't say this, but for you know, he's really saying I'm not comfortable. Yes. I, and, and what I want is comfort. And so what I what I found because I get passionate when I talk about this. It's I, like, I almost I almost internalize and take take yeah. like a sense of guilt. Yeah. In that when I asked him, hey, can I be real with you? Yeah. That's the salt I'm, that I was referring to a moment ago. Right. That proximity thing, like you could be so salty. Yeah. That it puts a bad taste in someone's mouth, and it makes them right. uncomfortable and makes them their them feel unsafe to be vulnerable. So. Right. I, I admit that okay. in that situation that you're referring to, I didn't know who he was. Right. So I put one of my deepest, darkest, scariest, most vulnerable things uh -huh. to share out there. Yeah. To test him. Okay. I didn't really, I, I consciously was, like, in my heart I was testing him, and I know okay. that now, but I didn't. I didn't do it like uh, out of a vicious, aggressive like. Sure. Hey, let me push this person away. It wasn't that kind of conscientiousness. No, no, no. It was a conscientiousness. <clears throat> let me see if I. I really need to share this right now. Right. Let me see if he's a like. Let me ask him permission first. He said, "Yeah, go ahead, be real." Right. And then when I was real, 
he didn't like how real I was. No, and, 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 and maybe he didn't want to direct it at me, and that, that's that's fine. It's, it's, it's proper or safe, yeah. but I'm tired of playing it safe. Yeah. <laughs> yes, man. That I, doesn't mean I'm going to yeah. forgo and neglect safety. Right. But right. I'm tired of being, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Why, why, why do, who wants a pretentious relationship? Yeah. This is real. This is reality. Yeah. I can reach, I'm touching your shoulder right yeah. now. You're real. Yeah. Why am I going to pretend that you're a ghost yeah. and that I can't really touch or connect with you when you're here right now? I I'm going to miss an opportunity if I do that. I'm not going to be able to really love you and really know who you are yeah. and be sincere right. and sleep at night or know that when you died, yeah. we connected and I can have peace knowing where you're going. Yeah, man. Sorry. No, no, I, I, I get passionate about this stuff because I think... I think I, turn, I think I turned him off. Yeah. I personally think I did. I, I, I don't want to take credit for it. I right. think it really is God turned him off, but I didn't know who he was. And right. when I don't know somebody, I give them something real and raw. And if they, they like yep. it, they can continue to be part of this. If right. they don't like me, they can leave. I, I, I'm okay with it. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Yeah. Actually, it does bother me that they don't come back because right. then I feel like I do now where I think maybe I was a little too... Maybe I was a little too open with them because I, okay. I, I scared them away or something. Yeah. But I don't think it's me they're really scared of. I think it's the gospel they're really scared of. I think sure. it's God and his... Like, I, I, I don't know if we got it... Start, I shared this before the recording, but or after, but like I said, I don't want to share sometimes, right? Because I know how powerful yeah. God is, and as soon as I do, people start moving, things start shaking around here, yeah, you know, and, and I start to go, uh oh, did I do it right or did I right. do it wrong? So, we, we, we mentioned this first, and I don't even know it right now at the top of my head, but um. Talks, Paul talks about we are not like Moses who put a veil over his face. Mm. Right. So before, when I first thought about that, I was like, oh yeah, it makes sense. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, he had God's, he had God's word. He put a veil over his face, and, and then I said, I misspoke, and I said, yeah, sometimes we got to cover the veil because it's too bright for people. But then I went back and I read the passage, and it said, we are not like Moses who put a veil over his face. We're supposed to let it shine. Right. Yes. And so that became a model for me to, dude, this is, this is none of my business. If people feel uncomfortable hearing how God has redeemed me. Yeah. And so I've been a part of several groups now where, they, where I've been cautioned, pull aside and say, maybe you should have dialed it down a little bit. And, and I'm thinking, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be on my deathbed one day and I've, I'm going to have any regret showing people how much I needed Jesus. I just don't, I, I'm convinced that I'm not going to regret showing people how much I need a savior. I'm convinced that I will have no regret. Yes. I will, and I will never regret or feel shame for letting people know how much I really need a savior. That's, that's what you I, said. That's right. And I'm determined as well. Yeah. That if I'm open and honest like that. Yeah. And they have the appearance to be chewed away or they don't want to be a part of it anymore. Yeah. Then 
maybe maybe it's just not right for us to be together. But I want I want to point out if if a pastor preaches something during a sermon and it just really yeah something bugs me about it and yeah. it, it goes a little too deep. Okay. Conviction. Conviction. I'm okay. convicted of guilt. Yeah. Maybe I feel guilty about something I did in my past because right. I didn't confess it or I need to continue to confess it and allow right. God to heal me of it. What do I do? I didn't like him. I can either complain about it to my peer and see how they accept and start gossiping. Uh, I can go to a different church or I can sit and take it and I can say, friend, I don't know why, but that one hurt. Yeah. And I feel hurt right now. And I don't think it was you. But, could, you know, let's pray about this. Yeah. You know, and because Proverbs, which Proverbs is it that says the friends of an enemy are, the kisses of an enemy are profuse and uh -huh. many, but the, the, the words of a friend cut deep to the heart yeah and they're like few that. like they're few something like that like yeah. where it's like a real friend's gonna tell you how it is and it's gonna that's hurt. right that's right man somebody who's really sincerely interested in you and your future and your salvation right is gonna tell you something when it hurts because they love you right but somebody who just flatters you and says, right. oh, you're so great. And, and they never really tell you about your blind spots. Yeah, man. That's not a friend at all. That's not a friend. They're like, allowing you to remain ignorant. Yeah. So I, I'm convinced with you that I will I will never experience shame from yeah. God right. for being who I am and allowing my light to shine. Yeah. And, and just being real with people. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. Because I keep doing it. Right. And I keep experiencing freedom. Yeah. And then when I'm called to speak in front of others yeah. about his word and his way, I'm getting a little more courage, a little right. more strength, right. a lot less anxiety about how I look <laughs> or if I said it right, <laughs> and more anxiety about yes. keeping quiet. I'm getting more anxiety about shutting myself down and right. hiding in a hole or a cave in my yeah. room or going out to the woods but I get encouragement yeah. when I seek out and share with others and find them and develop community like you're talking about and right, take man. a risk gotta take a risk that's right I forgot who said this but it was uh, and I always I always I continue to say this but it's like I'm willing to risk my relationships in order to save them. So like for my wife, man, this is like, I don't know, maybe maybe this is like a, um, seems like I'm on a cycle. Like I gotta risk the relationship right now in my transparency, but not just transparency, but just becoming vulnerable. Like crossing those two lines. I'm gonna risk the relationship right now and risk hurting her again because I wanna save the relationship. I.e. lust, um, I.e. Um, exposing my heart and like feelings of indifference, uh, not caring about my marriage, just things like, hey babe, um, and I preface it like this, I go, I'm really scared right now, 
to share something, but I know that fear is not from God. So let me just take that thought right now and arrest it because I know that's not coming from God. So you get out of here, fear. Well, I'm going to share this anyways. But I know the enemy's trying to trying to trip me up right now and tell me not to share. But God's telling me to be vulnerable, so here it goes. <laughs> yeah. And then, and so the stage is set, and God just goes, "Be free. I, this is done. It's, it, it, the war's done. You can be free now to show your wife just how much you need me. Not kind of how you need me, but just like you, you desperately need me. And so I, and then I go into that. And when I really fear, then I call you guys. I've, I've blown up your text many times. Where I want to share, but I'm scared. I need some truth, and you guys speak truth. And I, shoot, what was the one you gave me one time? You said, "May you approach this with the power that comes from the resurrection." Something like that. It was beautiful, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, the resurrection. That's kind of powerful." And then I just, I yeah, just yeah. marched right into battle. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. And I think it was conquered like, death. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> and then, and then I was bawling, man. I, I like, I was bawling. I, I w- walked in. Um, into a conversation with my wife and I said I don't want to share um, it was about letting my eyes wander to 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 some gal like, to something yeah. totally insignificant yeah. that was a moment in time that God just wanted me free more from the fear than he did from one from a from a three second event yeah but I, I couldn't have got there throughout community man and so I don't know I'm just passionate about duplicating what I've experienced here, what we experience in Hawaii, what we, what I experience in, in several places where I've been. Um, because I know, even when people don't tell me, mm-hmm. they're dying for this kind of transparency, vulnerability, um, community. Because I really think people, everybody, is sick and tired of the fluff of a quote-unquote Bible study, even the Bible studies are great. But I could talk Bible study for hours and never feel transparent or vulnerable. I would feel safe the whole time because I never have to expose my heart. And it, although it does break my heart when a guy I says, I'm not coming back. I think um, this is part of um, you're, a, you're a ministry, you're a minister, not you're a man of God. So you're not yeah. just a minister in the home, but you're a minister so because you've been touched by God you want everybody else to be touched by God and to yeah. uh, get the same um, uh, it's contagious yeah so you want to spread the contagious uh, uh, reality of the yeah. holy of holiness and, and uh, a real relationship with God a yeah. tangible relationship with God so I don't think there's anything wrong with desiring that. I think just as a leader, yeah. Right now, you're being challenged, and I'm—I sh- know I am in many ways. Where allowing God to lead, and and but staying close enough to others as far as where we're going, that they don't get lost or kind of get left. Yeah. Wondering what, like, where did that come from? Sure. You know, because when I'm, like you said, you have to, as a leader, we have to prepare the groundwork of, 
and, and, and get to that place where we actually ask permission to share. Sure. Because <laughs> if I don't ever ask someone permission to share, i never given them the option to listen. If I just go pour it out, yeah. uh, like, then I may send the wrong message. So getting to a place where we can I just think there's time and place. Not yeah. everybody's ready. That's right. And and it takes Bible study. Even those times where you are re- you're revisiting something that's so crystal clear to you, and it as a leader, it drives a it drives a leader crazy a little bit when the leader can have the vision and can see where we're going, but yeah. everybody else seems to be oblivious to what we're doing that's and right, where man. we're going. And um, Sometimes we just want to grab them and shake them and say, get with the program. Yeah. But I I learned from my dad, and I've learned as being a dad that the the Holy Spirit goes where it wants to go. That's right. And it does what it wants to do. And and I can't force, physically force, I can physically force somebody to do something, but I can't physically force them to allow the Holy Spirit to lead them. Yep. That's can, kind of his job, huh? I can, yeah, I can only, I can only express that he's leading me and I have a sense that I'm yeah. following him and I feel convicted to share something from my heart right now and be vulnerable. Right. And I, I really hope that, uh, that um, you can love me yeah. as God loves me regardless of what I am about to share. Yep. And and if you could have courage right now and tell me that you're not ready, please tell me because yeah. I don't want to share and be vulnerable if it's going to push you away. Yeah. You know, but, I, but that's just the thing. I think when we really trust God as a yeah. leader, a, a man of God, we don't care if it pushes them away. Right. Because maybe... It's not pushing them away, but it's actually pushing them closer to God. Mm-hmm. But we don't. It's that whole go back to that scripture of yeah. the sower, whoever sows, sows, mm-hmm. and whoever nurtures and waters that seed and prunes the plant as it grows. Like yeah. we don't all know who does does what. That's right. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit does. So. And God causes the growth. Yeah. So it says it at the end there. Whatever passage that is. God's the one that causes the growth. You, you're like many other leaders. Yeah. We struggle with control. Yep. That good old idol of control. So, yeah, and that's one thing God has convicted me to, that, that God is always ready for people to be free, yeah. but they're not always ready. Yeah. And I, so, think we, yeah. I think I can get them ready, but, but oh, yeah. no, nobody's but ready until... Yeah. He says they're ready. That's right. Like, I don't want them on my time. Well, God chooses his leaders. Yeah. We can choose what we want to do all day long, but until God says, this, you're going to do this, it doesn't yep. happen. I really, I really, just like our current leadership of America right now. Yeah. The people chose, but I ultimately, I, I really believe, like, a lot of people think this is crazy and irrational and it seems that way because it's it's, it's it's coming from a spiritual yeah. perspective yeah God's in control 
he selected yeah. that person. I think that doesn't can, sound crazy to me at all. You, you know the Bible well. Tell me of a, of a time where uh, God selected a leader. Let's talk about um, Saul. Yeah. In Second Samuel. Yeah. I've been reading that about him lately. He was appointed to be the leader because the people wanted a. a Wanted a king. They wanted a king. Yeah. They demanded to have a king. So yep. they physically were like demanding to, uh, Samuel, the priest. They were demanding through so him, give us a king. Yeah. Give us a king. So he him. helped give them a king, and they gave him a king. And and, and God chose Saul. Yeah. In spite of all of his defects, he chose Saul. And Saul later on disobeyed God. Yep. But for to, to to think that God didn't choose him to lead, that's that's absurd. Uh, no, it's, it's you know, uh, there was a reason for it. A partially sovereign God is not God. Right. <laughs> it's, he's either sovereign or he's not. I don't yeah. I don't understand this. Like, well, he's kind of sovereign. He's kind of sovereign. He's kind of in control. That's right. I, I just maybe it sounds crazy, but I think he controls everything. And nothing happens in the universe without him signing off on it. Like, literally, okay? That can happen. Even Satan being like, I want to attack him. Okay. But you can't take his life. Ah, all right. I want to take his family. Okay. But you're, you're not going to take this. I want to take it all. It boils on him. Okay, but you're not going to take his life. You know, like, he's like, that's crazy. You know, at the very end of Job, I think chapter 40, I was reading, um, it says it there that, that um, the quote, all the evil that God caused on Job, and that just blew my mind. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's even sovereign over over the evil. Like he's like... That's a hard one to accept. Yeah, so the enemy can't do anything without God signing off on it. And I know there's a reason why it's been debated since, you know, the reason why it's, it's still a debate, but... It's, in the air it's on the a side hard of, concept to yeah. understand. It's, it's, it's incomprehensible, and that's the kind of God that we, yeah. we're talking about here. If there's, you know, if there's really one God of the universe, yep. Any, just about everything's going to be incomprehensible. Yeah. He'll allow us to see, but he's only allow us to see what he wants us to see. If he can't trust us, he's not going to reveal it to us. Yeah, that's right. So no, I, I just, you know. Maybe that's maybe that's what this is all about right now. Like sending this message out on how to create community, um, specifically. Well, I think it works for both sexes. Like for guys and gals, I think they're safe places where God breaks pre people free from their fear of people by creating little small groups, and people will fall off, and they'll be like, ah, "I'm not ready for this." Um, there's stuff, some stuff I want to take to the grave. But for pockets of people like you, like Andy, like Chad, like like and a host of others that we know personally, that can truly say, I'm fully loved by people because I'm fully known, and to let people know that these communities exist because God creates them, because it's still unbelievable. So, I like that part where you said that the that these communities exist. They do, yeah. They already do, yeah. They do exist, but people they're like I don't know if these. People, it's it's too good to be true. Mm -hmm. That guy needs to oil his. No, not oil. He just needs a new belt. If he conditions the belt. It just keeps squeaking <laughs> too. Yeah. Mine stopped. But. It's part of a broken world. <sighs> no man. Yeah. Um, 
these communities do exist and it's where people can trust God through trusting other people who have been sent by God. Not just anybody off the street, but, but, but like, and then to always know that um, on our deathbed, we, we will not have any regrets of, oh man, I just wish I didn't let people know how much I needed a savior. Is there anybody out there? <laughs> That's right, we're whispering in the mic. They're out there, man. So we're gonna create communities, and uh, I think they're everywhere, man. I think they're in every church, but the churches is the, is the prime place for, for the most bondage. It's the devil's playground. That's right, it's the easiest place to hide. Like, okay, so so you've yeah, been, yeah, you've been yeah, through yeah. AA, right? You've yeah, been through yeah, AA. yeah, because it's the public square. That's right. What happens if someone but peeks it, their head in an AA meeting and they go, I know your guys, I know your, I know your secret. You're alcoholics. <laughs> okay. That AA meeting would then start to laugh and then maybe invite that person in to sit down and join. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah. hey, come on and join yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh -huh. You do that in a church, it'd be like blowing on an anthill that people scatter. Oh, what? If, you, if they you said, said, hey, hey, I, hey, I, I, I know, know what you're doing in here. That's right. You worship Jesus. Or, or no, if they said, if you popped your head into a church and you go, oh, sin. I, I know, I know some sin. of your secret sins. Point out a sin. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, people would scatter. Be like, oh my gosh, I better... I mean, okay. mentally they would scatter. Maybe even physically. Maybe, yeah, yeah. But, but in a in a true community of transparency and vulnerability, like AA, there's many, but that's just one. People would just laugh and be like, "What do you think we're doing here? Yeah. Yeah, we're well, not Superman. We're we're right. here because we admit that we're powerless against." Well, welcome. <laughs> that's right, man. I I confess. They don't use the word confess. They use it admit. But it's the same exact word. Yeah, it's just a yeah. It's, same exact word. it's synonymous. Yeah. Homo logeo, same say. Yeah. I homo logeo that I'm a, that I'm a broken person. Anyways, this is good, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna slice this piece of and, and label it um, thoughts on creating community. I don't know something like that. Mention mention the ups and downs and the the scariness and the beauty of it of just being transparent in community, man. Did we lose our audience? No, that's exactly the audience that God wanted. Any parting words here? Uh, I'm thinking of scripture. Yeah. Um, if it's truth, it'll be scripture. I want to say 1 Corinthians 15, 16 or something like that, but I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be human, man. Um, there is rest in God. Yeah. Because he's in control. That's right. And I'll leave it at that. At that. Sweet, man. There is rest thanks, in God because thanks he's for, in control. Thanks for letting me share. And... Uh, not that we haven't just now, but let's let's get our worship on. Yeah, man. Let's do this, man. All right, brother.